this morning's um, presentation is five principles of prayer. You'll probably identify more than five principles um, in this passage of scripture, but I will be highlighting five. I want to share with you um, something that someone shared with me back in June. They were on their way to work and they were walking um, towards London Bridge. And as they approached, I don't know if you've seen on the news, since the um, terror attack on London Bridge, there's a part of it that has post-its stuck on it. She stood for a while and she was looking over and reading the various post-its that were stuck on this wall. And one post-it captured her attention. Amongst the vast array of blue, green, yellow and different colour post-its, there was one that stood out. It was anonymous. And it read, God, I'm not a Christian, but please help us get through this. God, I'm not a Christian, but please help us get through this. In times of crisis, in times of disaster, people turn to God for help. In times of crisis, people remember that there is a God. And in our text today, we see that Jehoshaphat knew who he needed to call upon in his time of crisis. Turn with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 20, and we're just going to highlight a number of verses that are in this text. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verses 1 to 21. From verse 1 it reads, After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites with some of the Meunites came to make war on Jehoshaphat. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, A vast army is coming against you from Edom and from the other side of the sea. It is already in Hezeon, Tamar. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord and he proclaimed a fast for Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town and every city in Judah to seek him. The very first thing I want to do is just acknowledge how this young lady read the scripture text. Totally amazing. She pronounced words that even I fumble over. So I just want to acknowledge and say thank you very much for reading the text so beautifully. It says that a vast army came against Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was alarmed and he resolved in his heart to inquire of God. So he proclaimed a fast. Jehoshaphat, in his moment of crisis, the first thing that he did was purpose in his mind to find out what God has to say about the situation. Oftentimes when we face crisis, is God the first person that we turn to? Or do we reach for the phone and call our best friend? 
Do we reach for the phone and call our mum, our dad? In our times of crisis, who is the individual that we turn to first? I would say that my mum is one of the closest individuals to me. And in times past, I must confess that whenever things went wrong, whenever there was a crisis in my life, she was the first person that I would speak to. I knew my mum's, I knew our whole number off by heart. At one point, I even think that I had it on speed dial, speed dial on my phone. Because whenever something, whenever I needed to hear a word of comfort, whenever I needed to hear a word of support, whenever I, I just needed that reassurance in my life, it was my mum that I turned to. I remember my dad, when he was alive, he used to always say that he never understood why I would always turn to my mum. He was the last person to hear about what was going on in my life. It was always my mum. But over the years, God has been teaching me that before I turn to my mum, I should turn to him. I remember one time when I was studying at Newbold, um, both of my children had a crisis. One, my eldest son, his car broke down in Croydon in the middle of nowhere. Mum, 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 I need your help. My car's broken down. What am I to do? I put down the phone to him. Then my other son phoned me with some crisis that he was having at work. Mum, I need your help. I'm at Newbold. They are in London, and one is in Croydon, and the other one is in Catford. How am I going to help both of them? Newbold is, what, 30, 40 miles away from where they are. What am I going to do? The only thing I could do was turn to God and say, Lord, I need your help. By the time I got off of my knees, my eldest son phoned me to tell me that somebody out of nowhere turned up and repaired his car. My second son phoned me to say that a friend of mine, he so happened to meet on the road and he had a good conversation with my friend and the situation was resolved. In times of crisis, although we may be alarmed, although we may be afraid, the first thing that we must do is resolve in our hearts that we are going to seek God's counsel on the matter. We must also have people that we can call on to support us in prayer. Jehoshaphat called the entire nation together to pray. How many of us have prayer partners? There are many of us fighting battles alone. We need, in times of crisis, to have the support of others when we pray. Sometimes we don't even have the right words to say in times of crisis. Sometimes all we can say is, Lord, have mercy. But we need the prayers of those we love. We must, you know, we must have individuals that in times of crisis we can call upon and say, pray with me, pray for me. 
Jehoshaphat called the entire people together to seek the help of the Lord. Jehoshaphat stood up in the great assembly and he said, O Lord, God of our Father, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand and no one can withstand you. Second Chronicles 20 and verse 6 identifies the first principle of prayer, which is praise. God likes to hear when we give him praise. God likes to hear when we acknowledge him for being who he is. In Psalms 3 and verse 3, we are told that God is a protector. He is our shield. He is the one who lifts up our heads. Jehoshaphat, in giving God praise, helped to remind the people who God is. In times of crisis, we can forget who God is. In times of crisis, we magnify the problem. In times of crisis, we fail to tell our problem how big our God is. Instead, we tell God how big the problem is. But here is King Jehoshaphat. He, a vast army had come against him. And the first thing he did was to give God praise. When we face crisis, the first thing before the first thing we usually do is jump straight in with what the problem is. The first we, we may say, um, "Our Father who art in heaven," we may say one line, and then immediately we have now moved to the problem. King Jehoshaphat spoke of God's glory spoke of his might because he said, power and might are in your hand. No one can withstand you. Amen. In other words, he is saying to himself, yes, the army may be vast. Yes, the army may be great. Yes, they may have chariots. Yes, they may have horses. Yes, they may have spears. But power and might is in the hands of my God. Which means that the army that has come against him cannot withstand him, cannot withstand his God. So the first thing that Jehoshaphat did was to give God praise and glory for who he is. The next thing he did was that he reminded or he spoke of the past victories that God has won. From verse 7, he says, Oh, our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name. Jehoshaphat reminds God as if God needs reminding of the victories that he won in giving the land of Canaan to his people. We read in Joshua how he had to fight to possess the land. We read in Joshua how God miraculously 
brought down the city of Jericho simply by the people walking around six times. And on the seventh time, what did they do? They gave a shout of praise and miraculously, the walls came tumbling down. We're told in that same chapter that before the children of Israel began to march around that city, that that city was shut up. It was closed. There was no entry point. But at the end, look how God fought for his people without using a weapon. In fact, the weapon was praise. Jehoshaphat not only brought to God's mind, but he brought to the mind of the people what God had done for them in the past, reminding them that their God can be trusted to deliver them from the army. When we face crisis, how often do we remember what God has done for us? Do we recall how God has delivered us time and time and time again? When we are facing problems in our job, do we remember that it was God that we prayed to to get the job? And, if, and we pray, Lord, if it be your will, give me this job. You have the job. You're finding problems in the job. Do we not believe that the same God who brought us to it will bring us through it? When we pray, let us not just praise God, but let us remember how God has led us in the past. The famous quotation is that we have nothing to fear for the future, least we forget how God has led us in the past. Every one of us should have a prayer journal keeping note of answered prayer. So in times of crisis, we can remind ourselves of how faithful God has been. If we have not started one, I would encourage you, start a prayer journal. Record your prayers and record God's answers. The text goes on to say that God said, no, the people prayed, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress and you will hear us and you will save us. The third principle of prayer, in addition to praise and past victories, is claiming God's promises. Jehoshaphat was speaking about what the dedication of the temple in 2 Chronicles 7, where King Solomon prayed and said, Lord, when your people are in trouble and we turn to you, hear us and save us. In the Bible, I believe that there is a promise for every situation that we face. There is no crisis that may come to us in our lives where we cannot find a word to stand upon. In Lamentations 3, 
We are told that God's mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. When we face crises in our marriages, when we face crises at work, when we face crises in the family, when we face crises in the church, we must remind ourselves of how faithful God is. The Bible tells us in Isaiah that God's word will not return to him void, but it will accomplish everything that he has sent it out to achieve. Therefore, whatever word, whatever promise we stand upon in prayer, God will see it accomplished. Because he said that his word will not return to him void, but it will achieve everything that he has sent it out to do. We can trust God's word. We can stand on his promises. We, we sing the song, standing on the promises of Christ our King. Through eternal ages, let his praises ring. Glory in the highest, I will shout and sing. Standing on the promises of God. It requires us to have faith in the word of God. There is, we, there is no question as to whether or not God will fulfill his word. The question is, will we have the faith to believe? Will we have the confidence in God to trust him? And trust him when day one goes by. Month one goes by. Year one goes by. And still yet, we wait upon the Lord's answer. I was watching the TV one day and there was this, um, there was this um, speaker and she was talking about waiting on God and she pointed to this woman in the audience who was maybe about two or three rows from the front and she said, this woman, this woman has been praying to be married. She has been praying for her husband earnestly seeking God for a husband. She has been requesting prayer for a husband. She has been fasting for a husband. And I am glad to say that after 27 years of praying, she is now married. After day one of prayer, after week one, of prayer after year one of prayer do we have the faith to stand on the word of God until he fulfills and accomplishes his word 27 years well well I ain't quite reached 27 years, but the waiting has been long. But I'm still praying. I'm still hoping. And I'm still believing. Stand on the promises of God's word because he is faithful and he will deliver. He will rescue. He will save. He will perfect his word. We must trust and obey 
for there is no other way. So the first principle is praise. The second principle is to remember the past victories. The third principle is promise. It's now that King Jehoshaphat begins to tell God the problem. Verse 10, he says, But now here are the men from Anon and Moab and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they repay us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. Oh God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. It's now that King Jehoshaphat states to God what the problem is. And if you read the verse, King Jehoshaphat is clear, concise, and specific as to what the issue is. There is no long verbatim of words. There is no babbling. He just gets straight to the point. When we pray, let us be clear. Let us be concise. And let us be specific as to what is the problem. Don't beat around the bush. There is nothing that we can tell God that will shock him or catch him unawares or cause him to to, to frown. God already knows what is on our hearts. He can read our hearts. But what he requires for us from us is to have an open and honest dialogue with him. He wants us to recognize that we, we don't have to fear him because his love towards us is everlasting. So when we pray, don't be afraid to tell God how unjust the situation is. Don't be afraid to tell him how unfairly you feel that you have been treated. God is willing to hear because we pray to a God who understands. I want to bring your attention, however, to the end of verse 12 where King Jehoshaphat says, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Recognize that there are situations and circumstances that we do not have the solution to. That there are situations and circumstances, problems that we cannot solve, but God can. King Jehoshaphat says, you got to, I do not know what to do. We, your people, do not know what to do. Imagine Theresa May standing up in the Houses of Parliament and holding up her hands and saying, Members of Parliament, I do not have a plan for Brexit. She wouldn't do that. But here is the king standing in earshot of his people and saying, I do not know what to do. Let us take a leaf out of King Jehoshaphat's book and admit our limitations. Admit 
our flaws, but acknowledge God's supremacy and power. There must always be somebody who hears from the Lord. When we pray, there must always be someone, thank you, there must always be someone in our group or someone in the church who hears from the Lord. In verse 15, a Levite says, listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you, do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, it is the Lord's. There must be somebody who hears from the Lord and has a message that speaks directly to the situation and the crisis that we are facing. There must be someone who can give us a word of assurance, a word of comfort. I remember, as it comes to my mind, I remember one day I was in my house and I was praying. And God told me, God gave me, God told me something. And then when I went to a prayer meeting, he told me to tell the person, tell a particular person what he had said. So I went up to this gentleman and I said to him, come, I've got something to say to you. And I said to him, God told me to tell you that that you are to marry a particular person. And the guy dropped off of the bench. And I was like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I was like, are you okay? Are you okay? When he came to, he sat on the bench and he said, he had been praying and asking God whether he should marry this particular person the same person that God told me to tell him that he should marry. There must be somebody who hears from the Lord, who can speak a word of assurance and comfort to your situation. The last principle is found in verse 21. I'm going to read from verse 20. It says, early in the morning, They left for the desert. And as they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Before Jehoshaphat saw God do anything, he gave God thanks for what he was going to do. He gave God thanks for who he is. He praised God for the splendor of his holiness. Before we get up off of our knees, having given God praise, um, spoken of how God has delivered us in the past, claimed the promises of God, declared the problem, we must give him thanks for what he is going to do. 
Let's not wait until God answers the prayer to give him thanks. True exercise of faith is being able to declare that God has answered, not saying how he has answered, but to declare that God has answered before we see anything take place. Having given God praise, it says from verse 22, that as they began to sing and praise, the Lord sent ambushes against the people. The men, the armies that had come against Jehoshaphat now turned against one another and destroyed each other after they had finished slaughtering them. They destroyed each other. Verse 24 says that when, the, when God's people reached the place that overlooks the desert and looked towards the vast army, they only saw dead bodies. No one had escaped. God marvelously and miraculously in response to their praise, in response to their thanksgiving, defeated the army on Jehoshaphat's behalf. So this morning, my, my encouragement to you is that in times of crisis, don't be like the little boy who was playing in his sandpit, happily, merrily playing in his sandpit, and he had built a track in the sandpit, but there was a rock that was blocking him from extending the, the track around the sandpit. The little boy tried as he could to pick up the rock out of the sandpit and it kept on falling back on his hands. He tried to use his shoulder to push the rock out of the way, but to no success. He sat there frustrated and he began to cry, angry that he could not do anything to remove the rock from out of the sandpit. Watching from a distance was his father. As the Christ, as the boy sat in the sandpit crying, a shadow came upon him. He looked up at his dad. His dad looked down at him and said, son, son, what's the matter? What's the matter? He said, dad, dad, I've been trying to move the rock from out of the sandpit. I used all the strength that I had. I tried to pick it up. I couldn't do it. I tried to nudge it out the way. I couldn't do it. I used all the strength that I had, Dad. I used all the strength that I had and I just couldn't do it. His dad looked down upon his son and said, Son, you didn't use all the strength that you had because you didn't ask me. And his dad bent down, picked up the rock, put it to one side. His son dried up his tears and went back to playing in the sandpit. Let us not be like the boy who relied only on himself to help himself. But let us remember that the battle is fought 
on our knees before a God who earnestly loves and cares for us immeasurably more than we can think or imagine. And he is willing, eager and prepared to fight the battle for us. Mm -hmm.